0: It's fun to repair, it's fun to fix your stuff, it's fun to make something last longer and sort of in some ways beat the system because a lot of things are not meant to be repaired or meant to keep going, you know, and and there's an expectation that people will just like toss it and buy another one and we're like, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, let's see what we can do.
1: This is Yukon North of Ordinary, the podcast. We share a more in-depth take on the most popular stories from our print magazine, showcasing the territory's extraordinary people, culture, and outdoors. I'm your host, Karen McCall. In the summer, I'm a pretty dedicated bike commuter, or perhaps I should say e-bike commuter. I live up the hill from downtown Whitehorse, so I appreciate the battery boost on my way home. I was pretty disappointed, therefore, when the charger of my e-bike stopped working, turning my bike into 60 pounds of useless steel. Unridable. I wasn't too worried though, because I knew I could get a replacement charger from the company I bought my bike from. Then I learned that said company was no longer shipping to the Yukon. Which doesn't make any sense, but that's another story. Plan B was to bring my charger to the local repair cafe. Actually, I guess that should have been plan A. But anyway, that's a monthly event held at a makerspace called Uconstruct. It's where you can bring in your broken items and volunteers will help you fix them. It's magic, really. At least my experience was. The volunteer helping me, Nikki Rosenberg, quickly figured out that my charger wasn't the issue, but actually my e-bike battery. He figured it had a blown fuse. So he sent me to Canadian Tire to get a new fuse, but they didn't have the right size. I returned to the cafe feeling dejected. At this point, I was resigned to buying a new battery, which would cost more than 500 bucks, plus the whole conundrum of how to get it here because the company wouldn't ship here. But when I returned empty-handed, Nicky was not deterred. Come, he told me, and he led me up the stairs to an area where there's a bunch of old computer boards stacked up in a pile. He started sorting through them one by one until he found what he was looking for. A fuse. He plucked it off the computer and into my battery. Just like that, it was fixed. I can't tell you how happy I was to fire up my bike the next day. That's what I mean when I say magic. Michelle Clusio has heard and seen countless stories like mine. She's one of the folks who started the repair cafe in Whitehorse, and she never misses an event, except when COVID shuts it down. I'm speaking to Michelle today about all things repair. The first thing I asked her was how she became interested in repair.
0: So I guess I've always been interested in repair and having my hands on fixing, curious about how things worked. And my father, I grew up in a culture of repair, I would guess, uh, or I would say, uh, because my father was always making and fixing and repairing things in unusual ways. And we had lots of interesting things in the house, like pulleys that would close doors and little flags that would go up when, the, when Charlie, my cat, would go into the basket. and um,
1: Like into the litter basket? Uh,
0: it was just a sleeping basket, uh, you know. Okay, was, just like
1: a fun, yeah, fun was, thing. Yeah, it was
0: totally unnecessary. It was just, you know, my dad said, he, you know, we won't get a cat, but then he would be the one making like little ways to feed the cat and little flags and... Um, and so I, yeah, so I think we, we grew up with a sort of make do repair it, you know, make things work, improve them, make them work better for you.
1: I remember you telling me once that your mom also did a lot of like sewing and kind of, uh, making things as well.
0: Yes. My, my mom would, my father again would probably, you know, he would buy, if he had a new shirt, it had to have a pocket for his glasses. And, um, my mom would, would repair, um, upholstery. Like she would repair or recover a couch, but I think it was, yeah, and she would yeah she would make all sorts of things, but it was it was sort of more out of need, I think with my mom, my dad, it was more driven by who he was
1: How did you take your interest in repair like forward as you got older
0: mm-hmm. so i pursued an environmental studies degree and that was very academic and then like I was very passionate about it but wanted my hands more involved and so then I sort of went sideways and did a did a carpentry certificate and worked actually for uh, a company that did environmentally friendly repairs like um, sun shelters and things like that but it was only a very small part of the population so then I ended up going back to the environmental studies end of it. Um, So I, I mean it's always been I guess the environment and yeah, I'm not really sure now how I, I I guess it just sort of was always a part of mending my clothes, fixing things. Like I sewed my own backpacks. I'm I just always yeah, it was always a part of my life, I guess.
1: And so here in Whitehorse we're very lucky we have uh this facility called U Construct and on the makerspace side of it is um A space of basically shared equipment where people can come in and build things and make things and create things. And in 2014, you decided that um, to start a repair cafe event uh, here at the space.
0: Yes, well, it was, um, I was part of a group of people that had a natural interest in repairing equipment because we were a makerspace getting started out and we um, absorbed a whole bunch of like older equipment. We had a tool drive, people gave us things. We got old, uh, like, what is it called, Uh, just equipment that was no longer used, I guess, in the schools and wherever else. And so we were repairing equipment naturally, and we talked about it, and it just made sense. I mean, a tool library, lending library, would have been a good idea too, but we didn't have the capacity. But I think in the beginning we just thought that was a good programming, a way to involve the community, to share the tools, to repair the tools that we had to learn more about um, how to be repairing everything.
1: (laughs) So how does the Repair Cafe work here in Whitehorse?
0: Uh, well, the way that it's set up is we have a monthly time where we are open from 6 to 9. It's the last Thursday of the month, and it's open to the public. If you're a member, there's just free access. And if you're joining us um, from the community, it's we just ask for a donation of $5 if you uh, can. And that just helps us keep our supplies um, stocked up for, you know, fuses and pieces of wire and whatever we need, glues and things that we use every time we have a repair cafe. Um, so it the doors are open, people come in, they sign a liability form, and then they bring their broken bits of whatever um, to the space. We meet in the light woodworking wood shop and we have a little cart that we keep our most used (laughs) supplies in. And then depending on it's a very much a team uh, effort. So there's various people that will be volunteers from week to, or month to month. And some people have experience in electronics. And some people like myself, I do a lot more of the soft f- furnishing repair, but help with diagnostics. Um, so it depending on what the what the item is that the pr- people bring in will like we'll gather around if they're the first person we're probably all going to be going like what so what did you bring and we'll have a look at it and sort of try to hear the story of what happened and you know they hear the story of how frustrated often they are or what they're hoping to do um and just start to do a diagnostic which might be taking it apart and having a look visually sort of reproducing the problem um, Sometimes it's very clear what the problem is. Sometimes it takes like a lot of heads going to try to figure it out. Um, so we we work away at it, and and as more people come and different people are on site, uh, we divvy up projects. And but we'll, you know we kind of roam between helping out and try to involve the person who's brought their item in in the repair, so that they're being empowered and learning some skills. They might do some soldering. They might be just you know, here's a little dish to put all the screws in and they might take all the screws apart and we'll get the thing opened and then we'll move to the next step of whatever it might be.
1: So you're not just taking the thing, disappearing into the back and coming back and it's fixed. You're like trying to include the person who comes in, in the repair process.
0: Exactly. So it's, I have a lot of fun repairing things. Like I, I got a a thrill out of actually solving the problem and getting it working again. Um, And I guess I want to share that with people, but there's a, some things I'm better at than others and so uh, collectively as a team we help and someone who's never done it before there there's often someone that will come in and they're like I heard about this and they're a little bit timid about you know not knowing what it's all about and it's it's sort of like this is just a normal thing <laughs> this is like what you this is your your item that's not working let's see what we can do and then just really normalizing it and empowering people yeah. to feel like good about it and and uh yeah, be inclined to maybe do it again and I think a lot of people that come they end up being like monthly returns. They they keep a box going and they bring in their broken stuff. There are some people that are hilarious of things that we have repaired everything that's possible.
1: Yeah, let's talk about some of those things because uh, I've been in a couple times as well and I can see how it's kind of addictive to to yeah. It feels really good to get something fixed. You get this rush of endorphins. But the one time I was there, there was uh, a shop vac, there was a space heater. Someone was patching their rubber boots, repairing a bowl that they had broken, fixing hair dryers. Like, what are what are some of like the like common uh, items you see coming in?
0: Well, I'd say a lot of the smaller kitchen appliances tend to make their way here quite regularly: coffee machines, toasters, blenders, beaters. Um, heaters, um, yeah, um, the things that you would use every day that seem to be sort of a little bit more mass-produced in a way that they don't have the same lifetime span, I would say, <laughs> uh, for one, but things that just wear out as well. Like sometimes people bring in really old things with very old insulation on the wiring and things that where you're just like, oh, you have to decide whether or not, you know, We there's group of people, to co- collectively, we make those decisions. Some people have more experience in that area. And... Uh, so the things that come in, we have we have runs on funny things. Like one time there was like hair straighteners. There was like three of them came in and like over a period of time and massage tools and like, you know, things that had little balls that ran up and down. We've had a few of those. And I guess they're just things in people's lives that I might not have in my house, but there's a lots of those kinds of things around.
1: They get popular for a little while yeah. and everybody buys them and then they kind of break at the same time. Probably. Yeah.
0: yeah, and it's kind of fun because once you sort of, tackled one of those things was un- sort of for me and maybe an unusual thing and you've kind of found your way into it you know you would kind of have you're up on the next time it comes in you're like oh, okay <laughs> I've seen this one before and you know you can sometimes make quick headway. I know you
1: mentioned some of the volunteers have a, a lot of have different uh skill sets and um one of the, one of the tools that they use is like the, what's it called? a uh,
0: The multimeter.
1: Thank you. The multimeter that's uh, measuring, I think, electric current, current of yeah, some current. sort. That's a popular one, yeah. right? Because uh, I guess there's a lot of like wiring problems that mm-hmm. come about with products. A lot of
0: electronics come in and they might, um, yeah, they're, they're, you're trying to identify where the problem is and that's not an area that I'm like super I, I actually often discover what the problem is visually you can see something that's blown or whatever but there are some people like um, like Glenn Pior the other sort of person that we we are regularly the ones that make Repair Cafe happen from the beginning we've been working on that together but there's really a, a good group of people that rotate through um, a very long list of people that are regularly contributing um, but yeah, the multimeter tool is a good diagnostic tool um, that helps identify problems with electronics, F- figuring out the continuity if there's a break in a, a wire where the, where the current's not running through it. Um, anyway, yeah, that's something I obviously won't talk too much about, but it's just sort of, yeah, one of the tools. Um, but visually taking things apart, and um, one of the other things that I would throw in there is just I remember in the beginning one of the early Repair cafes, and I had my beaters that I brought in that weren't changing speed properly, and so we took oh the
1: beater oh like beaters egg. for, oh, um, electric for beaters. the kitchen
0: yeah, and like we they weren't changing. We wanted to get into it, and I didn't want to break the container because I wanted to be able to use them and keep liquid out or whatever. And it took us a little bit of time to. Uh, I mean, we we got it mostly apart, but then it's like we couldn't get it the rest of the way, and we didn't want to break it, so I brought it back the next time, and then I saw these two little round smooth spots on the surface, and thought. I bet you anything that they've, like, got screws underneath those. So I drilled in, and sure enough, there was a screw head that was underneath it. And so, therefore, I got the thing apart without breaking it, fixed it up. It was a simple fix. And two years later, somebody brought in the exact same beaters. And I'm like, oh, all we have to do is, you know, and we got right in there. So that was quite a bit of, you know, you felt good because you'd figured out how some of the things are made to either discourage people from getting into them, and you just have to have the confidence, and you know, to keep trying. But yeah, there, sometimes it's not easy. So.
1: And I'd like to talk more about that in a second. Uh, first, uh, I'd like to go back to a story you told me um, about, a, I think it's called the Magic Bullet. It's like a little blender. And um, I had had the same blender. And unfortunately, years ago, before I knew about Repair Cafe, it had stopped working and I threw it out. But uh, you had a story about how how you repaired a Magic Blender that was quite magic interesting. Magic Bullet. Sorry, yeah,
0: bullet. so it just had the sort of like a footprint on the machine itself that the container fit into. And we had, there's so many stories I could tell you about how things have evolved and some of the opportunities we've had. But one of the products that we were introduced through Instructables was um, Instamorph. And it's a little beads that, it's a thermoplastic and you can heat it up. And so we heated this up with boiling water and made this, the plastic turn clear and put it in the bottom of the blender, base of the blender, and then fit the unit back on top of it because what had happened is all the teeth had worn off because I guess it was spinning and they put it on or I don't exactly know I don't remember the details of it but we recreated the base and I'm maybe you can buy a piece but we sometimes it's just like what do we got how can we fix this now and you know as long as it's safe and it's it's a lot of fun to try to come up with a solution
1: and I mean that's incredible uh because when I think of fix yeah I think of sort of yeah, fixing the wires or or putting a new screw in, but the fact that you basically recreated a piece that was needed that you probably wouldn't be able to find online—it's just an idea of like, okay, don't throw this throw this out. There are solutions often.
0: Yes, and sometimes we are, a, because we're in the makerspace. Um, sometimes there's a part that's broken that you know if we've got the right person here, we will design it and do a three D print. If it's not like it might take an hour or two to print if if it's early on in the evening. Um, We've cut things out on the laser cutter, you know, I just go in the computer and do a quick design and then you can cut it out of something to repair something else or create a spacer or a washer or something. I mean, we have access to these tools if the people, the volunteers and the members are available to help with it.
1: Yeah, these are tools that hardly anyone would have at home, if anyone. So uh, yeah, it's amazing to have access to those. And as well, there's some like a bunch of sewing machines. I One time I was here, someone found in a big pile of <laughs> yeah. clothing to repair.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, sp- I spent one whole repair cafe up in the sewing loft. And yeah, we have a we have um, hands sew- like a Boss Tipman, which is a sewing machine that you, you just work by hand and you can go through like three quarters of an inch of leather. And so adding tabs to a hammock one time and a Swing, and we've done things over the years, but yeah, people have brought in clothing that needs to be repaired. Sometimes hand repairing, replacing zippers, uh, just fixing a zipper pull, um, holes. Like, yeah, there was a couple that brought in like seven pairs of pants, and it was like the crotch, the butt, the the you know the the knees, like everything. Uh, each pair had a different repair, and they went away so happy, and they were back the next month wearing the clothing, <laughs> you know, the repaired clothing, and. So that was good. And one of the, one of the two of them ended up coming to help out because they had a computer background and computers for schools has participated with the repair cafe for a little while. They also run their own support group, like, like a night where people can drop in. I don't know enough about that, but um, they did help. They came here as well. And this person had that background and they were available to help somebody do something with an external drive. I can't remember the details, but like, there's always something new happening and If we don't have the support person there that time, we usually know who could help you move to the next step in terms of figuring out the problem or getting parts or whatever. Time for a short break. We'll be right back.
1: Do you have a Yukon North of Ordinary hoodie yet? What about a t-shirt, a toque? mug check out the full product line at the retail store in Whitehorse, located on the corner of second avenue and steel street across from city hall limited products can also be ordered from north and while you're there don't forget to pick up a magazine subscription and now back to the episode so why why do you do this event what what, what do you <laughs> get out of it
0: uh, it's I get a lot of satisfaction. I I have a lot of fun trying to solve or p- figure out the problem. And the community, um, like, problem-solving together as a group, like, you know, we each bring something to it. And I know I don't have the whole picture, so... It's fun. And I do really enjoy new people coming in and their eyes getting wide and they're like, oh, my God, you're going to take that apart. (laughs) And when they see the inside, like sometimes, um, you know, it's new to me, too. But it's like, I'm, I'm the first thing I'm going to do is take it apart and open it up and have a look, you know, and taking photos of what you're doing while you're doing it sometimes or looking things up, just showing how, I guess, sharing how I would go about Figuring out what's wrong with it and what, where the lines are in terms of what you can fix. We do go on the internet and Google or find a repair manual or something if that'll help us if we're stuck. But, you know, often somebody has seen it before or has a good idea of what needs to be done and they'll take over. Yeah, so I, I get me, I get, I just feel really great at the end of the night and I love it when someone has a repair and that they like they just didn't know this was possible because they hadn't it hadn't been in their or their life, they hadn't been exposed to it. And they brought themselves out and they're going away with something that is no longer garbage. It's useful and it's fixed or even sometimes fixed to give to somebody else because they don't want it anymore. But yeah, sometimes it's just seeing that change in people and yeah, it's it's satisfying.
1: (laughs) A lot of happy customers.
0: Yeah, and there's skill development. Like I think some people learn actual skills, like if they learn how to do a bit of soldering or use the multimeter or something else.
1: What's one of the more unusual items that's come in?
0: <laughs> when when um, I think about that, the the thing I think about is the, oh, what's it called? Um, the Geiger counter. And this was back in the old space, so it might have been like 2015. Yeah, it was a Geiger counter, and it turned out that there were some, I think, some unusual batteries that needed, or tubes. I, I forget, we needed to We found something that needed to be ordered. Eventually, maybe a couple of repair cafes later when the parts were in, and we tried it out again. We used a banana, and we were able to test that there was some radioactivity that could be—it wasn't calibrated properly, but it was like, woo, it's working. (laughs) I don't know more about what happened with that, (laughs) but—
1: So a Geiger counter measures radioactivity. Yes. What about—I mean, there must be sort of like a size limit on— I
0: don't know. We've had— a lawnmower we've had, yes, of course, sometimes there have been things actually that we fixed in the r- in the parking lot, so um you know those containers that you put your skis and your equipment on the roof, those mm, like a so roof was- box or yeah whatever. exactly yeah. um the hinge on one of those I remember working on that in the in the parking lot one time I hope and- it was
1: warm out it wasn't <laughs> winter
0: I <laughs> don't recall it being super warm um, it could have been the edge of winter um, yeah, and p- cars we did have a one night where we had somebody from Whitehorse Motors come, I think it was Whitehorse Motors, (laughs) that's a local car company, um, come in and talk about winterizing your vehicle and sort of just went through battery blankets and um, different things that you could do and how to check them. And so it was sort of, you know, we were just trying to do kind of a theme oriented one just for something different to do. And we have a ton of ideas that we just end up repairing things all the time. And sometimes we think, well, we should try to do something more specialized. But uh, you know, maybe we will.
1: <laughs> For people uh, who live in a warm climate who don't need a battery blanket, that keeps the battery in your car warm. Exactly. <laughs> like. You're lucky enough to not need a battery blanket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned earlier, yeah, some items aren't easy to get into. And we kind of always hear things like, oh, they don't make them like they used to and that sort of thing. Is that something that you've noticed as well, that like products really aren't made with repair in mind?
0: Yeah, there there's definitely things that you see that are i would say sh- they're not, maybe not so shoddy but they're they're not planned to be repaired they're made in made with things that break easily and it's sometimes just one little component so if it's something that we can replace better than the thing that broke that's great we'll do that but yeah i think there's a there's a lot of that built into the way that things are mass produced. And I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll look at something and it's like, why would you ever make that more than once? It's like a poor design. And I mean, I do have that frustration when I'm looking for something to fit, you know, in in a shop. Um, and I don't, I don't understand it, but I know it has to do with, uh, you know, making it faster to make and easier to make and, and cheaper, I guess, and, yeah. And maybe maybe so people will buy it again, the you know, built in obsolescence. But I mean there's so much there's so much that you can think about that way. You can be overwhelmed by it. So just empowering people to sort of look and see if it's possible to repair and, and think about how that you might go about that is is a pretty good effort in the right direction. So
1: when I spoke to you before you mentioned the right to repair, um which uh when I did a bit of research on that, it is literally just like having the right to repair the goods that you buy, and because there's a lot of companies that use proprietary screws, or like in the case of your beater, like they're using a lot of glue and they're hiding the screws, or in the case of electronics, um, sort of like there's copyright laws that prevent you from fixing things for like quote unquote proprietary reasons. So the right to repair is something advocates have been pushing for for years in Canada and elsewhere. And there has actually been some headway recently. The federal government is moving to extend the life of home appliances by requiring manufacturers to supply repair manuals and spare parts. It's also promising to amend the Copyright Act to allow for the repair of digital devices and systems. And it's committing to introduce a tax credit to help with the cost of repairs performed by technicians. So that's like a pretty big move, hey?
0: Yeah, that's that's great. I haven't been following exactly what's been going on. There's definitely a movement for introducing either bills or legislation or just programs to to help with that. Uh, so everything, like they're all steps in the right direction, I think, um, to for the planet, for the environment, but also really to get people back in touch with being conscious about choices that they're making and um, yeah, maintaining, fixing, and, and just ma- normalizing. Like I wear a lot of visible mended clothing, as you can see right now, and i i f- it's normal for me, but it to to repair your clothes and show that your clothes are not just brand new off the shelf in like the whole fas- fast fashion um like that whole if you talked about that um it's all the sa- it's all part of the same picture i guess there's layers and layers that are going on all around the world, and here in the north i think um particularly. Uh, we don't have access to as much in terms of, you know, just getting pieces and parts off the shelf that might, you know, help you repair. So we dig a little deeper and see if we can make it work um, using different things. But um, we can also order things. It takes longer. It, so wherever people are, I think there's different things that, that people are interested in working on. And I, I, yeah, I don't know if it's even more so right now because people – shopping, or or I don't know if that's true, but I wonder if people are thinking about that more. And your drive, does
1: it come a lot from the like environmentalism?
0: I think I really have some pride over keeping things going and seeing how long. But um, yeah, just I think I was brought up, like I said in the beginning, I guess that I was brought up with that sort of do it, do it yourself, make do. And it's like, why would you get something new when you can just fix what you have? It was sort of like a common sense thing. And um, the hands-on repair and the down-to-earth day-to-day thing, that that actually feeds me quite well.
1: So for a lot of uh, people listening, like there are repair cafes um, all over the world and lots of different cities maybe uh, operated uh, slightly different. But I know, Michelle, for you too, um, you repaired your, I think it was your washing machine yeah. or your dishwasher, your dryer, that sort of thing. Like, and you just all of went the above. All <laughs> of the above, of, of course. Yeah. And you went on the internet and you yeah. found the solutions. Yeah,
0: just a couple of weeks ago, my wash, my, my front-end loader, front-end wash loader washing machine uh, stopped working, stopped getting rid of its water anymore and making huge banging noises. And I had never looked inside one before, but I opened it up and had a look and I could see right away, there were two broken, and they're called shocks, I didn't know what they were called at the time, but I could see this problem. And I went online and I did try to get the, like, I did try to do the research to find out which parts I needed and what it was called and everything. And I was able to get to this place where I had gotten parts for my dishwasher. (laughs) And they said they were no longer being manufactured. And to my surprise, my brand new washing machine was actually 16 years old. (laughs) Anyway, I was able to fortunately get a set of shocks that were, they were no longer manufactured, but there was an alternative that a repair person in town had one set of on in stock and I was able to get them. So within four hours, I had my machine fixed and working again. But so sometimes you can, if you do the research, so I had found the model number, I had found the part number, I had done all that work on the internet before I tried to find out if I could find an alternative um, piece here in town. and it worked out. So that was, that was like a little happy dance afterwards. And of course, I, you know, the people in this community that repair all of the people that come and participate, those are the people I can tell them the story about. They all, they all go right on, you know, so it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's really fun. It's, it's fun to repair. It's fun to fix your stuff. It's fun to make something last longer and sort of, in some ways, beat the system because a lot of things are not meant to be repaired or meant to keep going, you know, and, and There's an expectation that people will just like toss it and buy another one, and we're like, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, let's see what we can do. Is there anything else you'd like to mention? Um, I just want to reiterate, I guess, that it's always a team effort. Like the repair cafe, it's not my idea. There's lots of people doing it. Um, We as a group at Uconstruct, the makerspace, when we first got started, it seemed like a good idea. There are so many people that have been part of it over time. And people come and go, they bring their expertise and it's always fun and I love it when people come back. Uh Glenn Peroir and myself um, have been the regular uh people that come and repair or or keep it going I guess over the years, but um there's many staff here at U Construct and just volunteers in the community that are members of the makerspace that come. So yeah, it's It's fun. Come on out if you've got things to repair and you're in Whitehorse. (laughs) Last Thursday of the month from six till nine at the Makerspace.
1: Well, thank you so much for doing what you do and for coming in to chat with me about it today.
0: Thank you. It's been fun.
1: (laughs) That's it for this episode of Yukon North of Ordinary, the podcast. Please share this episode and leave us a review. It really helps. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our print magazine by going to northofordinary.com. While you're there, check out Yukon North of Ordinary merchandise. For a full product line, visit the Bricks and Mortar store in Whitehorse, located on the corner of 2nd Avenue and Steel Street across from City Hall. There's a great selection of hats, clothing, stickers, and more. Do you have something to say about this episode? We'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at North of Ordinary. You can also contact me, Karen McCall, with feedback or story ideas. My email is editor at northofordinary.com. Thanks to the whole team at North of Ordinary Media. Our podcast artwork is by art director Manu Kegenhoff. Our music is by Candy and tribeofnoise.com. Thanks for listening. We have another episode coming out next week. I hope you listen in.